0: Well, thank you so much for that very kind introduction, and it's really a great honour to be back in Vancouver, and I I really thank the meeting organisers for inviting me and coordinating this trip, and as I said, it's just a thrill to be back home. So just sort of touching, following from what Dr. Payton's talked about, I'm just going to talk, present some cases and try to help highlight a few things that can help us on the front end in diagnosing melanoma. So I don't have any uh, financial interest to disclose. So this isn't really much of a challenge, I think you'd agree. Um, There's an elevated mass here, and you can tell that it's pretty regular. So the diagnosis here is melanoma. So this is a very typical type of case that I don't think there's a lot of controversy. A typical patient will present with floaters, or photopsias, and when you look inside, you see a brown choroidal elevation, often with serous detachment inferiorly, if it's a large tumor. And when you do an ultrasound on the patient, you see a dome-shaped mass, and the classic teaching is that these are of low and medium reflectivity uh, on ultrasonography. And when you do an angiogram, you often see some hyperfluorescence. Sometimes you can see vessels within the tumor, and, and it sounds very straightforward. So I'm going to present some cases that are going to, going to sort of show that this is actually may not be so straightforward. And, and why is melanoma, why are diagnosing these cases sometimes challenging? Well, first of all, there's a lot of anxiety in trying to make a decision here because these are one of the few diagnoses that can directly kill a patient through metastatic spread. And secondly, they're very rare. When was the last time that you saw melanoma in front of you in, in the office? I've heard that some, some ophthalmologists see maybe one or two in their career, so it's it's they're very rare. And thirdly, there's a very wide clinical spectrum of presentation. They certainly don't look like that case I just shared with you. And what I think is challenging, even for ophthalmic oncologists, is that there is no single test, a, a finding on ultrasound or angiogram or OCT that is definitive that you can rule in the diagnosis. Um, You may have heard of this classification that the Shields have come up with where they've sort of looked at all these features of smaller tumors and done some statistical analyses. Actually, this was first published in the Canadian Journal of Ophthalmology, and if you have more than two of these factors, there's a 50% chance of becoming a melanoma. So if thickness greater than two millimeters, you see fluid, there's symptoms, orange pigment, and it's close to the disc. And I'm going to, I have a little issue with this because if you use this classification to help make diagnoses, you may over treat a lot of lesions that aren't melanomas or miss a lot of tumors that actually are. Um, so I just uh, want to caution about using mnemonics and things to help in the diagnosis. So here's our, our first case 68 year old male. He was referred for pigmented lesion. He had a macular pucker, which you can see there, and his vision's 20 20. And you can see this tumor there. And of note is that there's a little bit of drusen on the surface of this lesion. And on ultrasound, this is a three, a little bit over three millimeters in height, and the reflectivity is, is high. And if you use this classification, certainly it's it's over two millimeters, but there's no fluid, no symptoms, no orange pigment, and it's not close to the disc. So if you use something like this, you'd say this is not a melanoma. And this patient came back two months later with an increase in the the greatest uh, basal dimension. So this indeed was a melanoma due to the documented growth. And uh, just, I didn't show you everything here, but the angiogram of this patient shows that there's some stippled hyperfluorescence. So there is evidence of activity and leakage um, when you do your other diagnostic tests. Here's a different case that looks very similar, but this is actually a choroidal nevus. And you can see that angiogram of a nevus really shows mostly hypofluorescence and maybe a little bit of hyperfluorescence in the center. So there are differences that you can look out for. And back to this case on OCT, um, Dr. Payton did allude to some findings that help us with diagnosis. You can see the choroidal tumor shows up as an elevation, and there's some intraretinal fluid on the, overlying the surface. So OCT can be very helpful to help us determine fluid. So for this case, certainly if there's a mass, you should think about a tumor. And some evidence of leakage or activity, whether you see it on examinations, such as a serous attachment, or on angiogram, OCT, or sometimes ultrasonography, can detect subretinal fluid as well. And certainly, if you, have, if you see a growing lesion, you, that really raises your suspicion. So here's a thir- this is a patient I just saw a couple weeks ago, um, 31-year-old male, uh, asymptomatic. Um, maybe this lesion in his eye was enlarging, and he had been watched for quite a while since the mid uh, to, since the middle of 2011 by you know, a very excellent uh, retina specialist who I know well. And here's his lesion. So he sort of, you know, looks like an unusual scar, maybe with some pigment change, but you wouldn't really be thinking of melanoma when you when you see this patient. On ultrasound, he has a height of about 2.23 millimeters and high reflectivity. And I should point out that oftentimes the reflectivity is higher when the lesions are small. And here's his angiogram uh, showing some hyperfluorescence and, again, much more the sort of intense hyperfluorescence later in the study. And on OCT of the lesion, you can see there's some subretinal fluid involved as well. And he actually had inferior subretinal retinal detachment as well. So this is a, a case of a chordal melanoma. Uh, here's a patient I saw a few years ago, a 79-year-old female with decreased vision, And here's her lesion here. And here you can see there's hemorrhage. Um, It's it's close to the macula. And and on your differential, certainly a hemorrhagic process, such as an isolated choroidal hemorrhage, might come to mind. Um, She's an elderly lady, so thinking of macular degeneration is important. This could be hemorrhagic lesion or a polypoidal type of variant of macular degeneration. Um, certainly could be melanoma, doesn't look like it, or maybe a nevus with hemorrhage associated with it. And here's her angiogram showing a lot of hypofluorescence and a little bit of hyperfluorescence uh, on the surface of this. Her ultrasound uh, lesion is 3.29 millimeters, the reflectivity is high. It was a little atypical. So on the differential, Probably a choroidal hemorrhagic process is a reasonable consideration given it, its very a typical feature. So she was watched for a month and this thing has started to grow. And you can see that now the height is 4.17 millimeters compared to the baseline. And it's certainly a very dome-shaped appearance. And as the lesion grows bigger, this lower reflectivities st- start to manifest in the ultrasound. So she was uh, diagnosed with melanoma, and then what, what were the options here? Um, she underwent um, iodine-125 brachytherapy and had a needle biopsy for prognostication. And her biopsy, we, we also send all our biopsy material to PATH, and this was melanoma. And monosomy 3, which I'll talk about a little later, um, is associated with a higher risk for metastatic spread. She had that. Here's another case, a 25-year-old male who's a professional Motocross racer had decreased vision in the left eye. So here is his lesion. Uh, you can see this pigmented uh, superior macular lesion with a serous detachment involving a fovea. That's what brought him brought him in. And so melanoma, maybe it's a metastatic lesion, could be central serous uh, because of the, the very uh, serous type of localized attachment. Um, maybe it's a nevus that's leaking fluid, perhaps a choroidal hemangioma. And here's his... Uh, early phase of the angiogram uh, shows a little bit of hyperfluorescence. And I should mention the late frames, which I don't have. There was no hot spot or, or, or anything leaking. Uh, there's a ultrasound, showed a high initial spike, uh, high reflectivities, and relatively small lesion, 1.79 millimeters. And here's the fluid showing the detachment. Um, so what, what are the possibilities? This is a little challenging, this case, but if you, if you sort of look at this mnemonic, This was a small lesion, less than two, there was fluid, there were symptoms, it looks kind of orange, and the lesion certainly looked very orange. It wasn't quite that close to the disc. You would probably consider melanoma the diagnosis, but this is actually a case of a choroidal hemangioma. And in choroidal hemangiomas, we usually need to treat these if there's fluid involving the fovea. And uh, visudine photodynamic therapy (PDT) has is, is become really the standard primary treatment. In the past, we we use different types of uh, laser and radiation. Um, but just something to keep in mind: these patients, after two to three years of treatment, tend to require more more intervals of treatment um, because they tend to recur in terms of leakage. So here's a couple of cases that were diagnosed after surgery. Here's an 82-year-old male who had had a a year and a half ago before I saw him, had had a vitrectomy, and endolaser for vitreous hemorrhage, then had had cataract surgery and was referred because something was still growing in the back of the eye. And this is this guy's lesion. So sort of a white bump here with a little bit of pigment and some atrophic changes around it. So what could this be? Perhaps... Variant of macular degeneration, maybe a granuloma, these tend to be less pigmented. Um, Perhaps a regressed retinoblastoma, Uh, that would be a stretch, but possible. Maybe a chordal metastatic lesion because it's not that pigmented, or perhaps a chordal melanoma. So here's this angiogram, and you can see there's some intrinsic circulation, which we don't always see, Um, and then some some staining at the base of this lesion. And here's this ultrasound, and then this really gives it away. It's a 4.6 millimeter lesion with a mushroom shaped appearance, and there's really very little that presents as a mushroom shape or breakthrough Brooks membrane uh, other than a melanoma, and the reflectivity is low. So this is a a typical case of chordal melanoma, although it presents very differently. Uh, A similar case, a a 90-year-old who had a known history of macular degeneration had undergone uh, vitrectomy, TPA, and gas because he had had a vitreous hemorrhage with a submacular hemorrhage and was referred because the hemorrhage was getting bigger, and you can see this particular gentlemen's is after the vitrectomy and a lot of, probably a bit more than just blood happening here. So also ultrasound, um, a very elevated lesion, mushroom-shaped, low reflectivity, very classic for melanoma. So ultrasound, very helpful in these larger lesions. Um, <clears throat> here's a, an 83-year-old male with no symptoms, um, referred for peripapillary lesion. So here's a sort of very vari- variably pigmented lesion, inferior to the nerve, um, as I said, not involving the fovea. And here's his ultrasound. So essentially no thickness at all of this lesion here. And here's his angiogram. And early and late, you can see some, some staining late. And here's an OCT through the lesion. And you can see there's, some, there's definitely some elevation over the lesion. But if you look in the deeper layers of the OCT, there is no choroidal elevation, and there is some intraretinal fluid So if you use sort of a mnemonic to help you figure this out, it it was was small, there was fluid, uh, no symptoms, no orange pigment, but it was close to the nerve. you have two or more of these features, you would say this is probably melanoma. But this isn't a melanoma. This is a peripapillary vascular membrane. And part of another thing that will tip you off is that there are exudates associated with the lesion, which we rarely see. I've not seen a cortical melanoma present with exudation. So that should help tip you off for something else. And then the angiographic appearance of this sort of late uh, leaking process is very classic for macular uh, wet AMD type process. Um, there's another case, very similar uh, clinical appearance. 54 year old female had, again, a peripapillary lesion. And here's this patient. So the, the nerve looks a little fuzzy. There's some pigment inferior to it, so what could this be? Um, possibility of a combined hamartoma under the RPE and retina, just given the appearance of the nerve. Maybe there's some epiretinal component, melanocytoma, it's next to the disc, or maybe a melanoma or a metastatic lesion to be considered. So an ultrasound, it's very small, 1.3, and an angiogram, it's actually, there's disc hyperfluorescence, and, and there's really hyperfluorescent. there's no activity associated with the lesion itself. So what, what should we do? So in this case, rather than doing anything too drastic, uh, neuroimaging was obtained, and there was an orbital nodule compressing the disc in the globe, but no intraocular mass. So what do we do now? And In this particular case, this patient underwent a biopsy uh, in, uh, transvitrally, and this was positive for malignant melanoma. So this patient underwent a nucleation, and on, on pathology, this was found to have a, a very thin intraocular tumor component with transscleral extraocular extension. So something you would never expect when you see a patient like this, but in the back of your mind, you, know, you need to keep melanoma on, on the possible differential. Um, and here's a, a 58-year-old patient, this is a little different case, had blurry vision for some time, has a past history of breast cancer, but not active. And on on OCT, she has a macular pucker with 20-25 vision. And so she was diagnosed an epiretinal membrane. But on fundus examination in the nasal periphery, she has this well-defined pigmented mass. So it's well-circumscribed. There were some drusenoid changes. There was no fluid anywhere near the lesion or in the inferior fundus. So what could she have? Perhaps malignant c- considerations, as we've talked about, or perhaps this is something benign, like a nevus, maybe a hemangioma, a little unusual that far out in the periphery, perhaps an RPE adenoma. And her ultrasound shows that this is a highly reflective, um, small lesion, 1.65 millimeters. So based on that, probably not a melanoma, and certainly not a, a vasoproliferative type of tumor like a hemangioma. And her angiogram really helps us here, and you can see as we progress through the frames in the late phase, there's, there's very intense hyperfluorescence of the leakage. And there's really only one thing that, that presents this way. And certainly not, not a, a, a benign nevis would not have this much uh, hyperfluorescence. Um, certainly not a hemangioma um, or a metastatic lesion. So this is a case of an RPE adenoma. And um, initially, she was observed. And for a period of time, and there was no change, and she was referred back to her retina specialist who did vitrectomy and membrane peel, and and she's doing well with good vision. Um, And actually, it hasn't been reported yet, but we're finding there is definitely an association with macular puckers and RP adenomas. Um, So... Just to keep in mind, this is a, a much more rare diagnosis, but it's well-circumscribed like it's, its cousin, the chirpy lesion. Usually darkly pigmented, but over time they can depigment and you can sometimes see pigment in the vitreous. And this late intense hyperfluorescence on angiography is, is really key. And they, they rarely convert, but there have been case reports. So just to summarize, diagnosing melanoma is not always straightforward and can be challenging, and there's a wide spectrum of possible clinical presentations, and it's very hard to rely on any single test. So if you have the suspicion, a lot of it is very clinical. Your testing helps you make that diagnosis, and always consider the possibility of melanoma in anything elevated, if there's an unusual vitreous hemorrhage or or an an AMD-like process. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Dr. McCannell. So uh, I think we're